we're on a very tight time frame today, so I'll not mess about and get straight into it. This is a photograph taken in our garden three years ago almost, um, when my son had, and I'm a late parent of a now 21-year-old, who had his 18th birthday party, as you can see, sitting in the garden. And, and I think vir virtually, in fact, everybody in that photograph is now a university student, some of them even in this august institution. And they're all sitting, most of the time, in very boring, rectilinear, concrete boxes. This is the point of the slide. But there they were enjoying themselves, and then a few months later, stuck into these awful boxes that, that call themselves university buildings. And when we were pitching for a in the competition for a building in Vienna for the law school of the economics university, I sort of, at a weak moment, did this cartoon, and it was added into the pitch. Uh, we won the competition, so it couldn't have put them off. And what I was trying to say in the, in the cartoon is that from my experience, my long experience of, of the Viennese, they're rather jolly people, and they get up to all sorts of naughty things. Uh, and why can't that happen in the university too? And two places with which I'm very, very familiar, one in the top half of the photograph is the garden in the middle of Paris, in the 14th district, Montparnasse, of the École Spéciale d'Architecture. And the bottom is uh, another favorite architecture school of mine, which is the uh, SIARC in Los Angeles, which is in a long, almost half-mile long concrete building. But on a, on a Friday evening, even in this marvelous school of architecture, people want to break out. They want to break out into something that's looser. And in Paris, in fact, they have this marvelous piece of French real estate called their garden, which they've had since the mid-19th century. And they break out all the time. Uh, needless to say, the Americans work harder than the French. Um, a long time ago, I was a professor in, of all places, Frankfurt in the Art Academy. And after a few years, somebody kindly said, you're an architect, and we need a cafe. Uh, could, you, could you do one? And we found a courtyard which existed between two pieces of building. And all we did was to stick the cafe as a very, very simple steel building, steel and glass insertion into the courtyard. We used a bit of the basement as the kitchen and the servery. And nothing special about the furniture. We just enclosed the courtyard. But we did a jolly, because in the summer, it opens up. It gets very hot in that particular location in Frankfurt in the summer. So we said, right, the room can breathe. End of conversation. Um, this is a piece of a prospectus from the rival school down the road, the Architectural Association, <coughs> from which some of us sitting here were, were graduates. Um, there's been a lot of cross-fertilization between up, up the road in Bloomsbury and down the road. And this is an attempt in their catalogue to, to give a vision of all the things that go on in architecture schools. In summary, it's indicating that most, most discussion happen around a machine somewhat like this. And there are other things that are very necessary to the conduct of a university or an architecture school. But my central theme is that it doesn't have to be boring. <coughs> Taken from the rival catalog, the one of the barbers across the road, implying that you can do, you can have interesting relationships 
and do jolly things if you're an architecture student. Thank you, Frosser. And that even in, in, in Frosser's first year, some extra already only a matter of months into the game, people start producing extraordinary, wonderful, inventive, charming, strange things. But the rooms in which they do it are awful, are dire. I think the Waits House is probably the, one of the three worst architecture school buildings in the world. And I have visited <laughs> probably 250 architecture schools in my long career. But some amazing work comes out of it. Almost you could be perverse and say it's so bad that, that you'd have to do something good to, to ignore it. But that's a rather false premise. We were lucky enough, as I said, to win that competition for the law school in Vienna. And I'm glad to say that the building is now coming out of the ground very fast. I, I, I missed a trick this morning and not brought a, a progress photograph, but part of the building is already two floors out of the ground. And the whole of it is about one floor out of the ground. And it's very easy to find because it's near the famous wheel in, in, in Vienna <coughs> that has appeared in many films. And it's alongside um, the hunting grounds of the old, of the old uh, Viennese monarchs. Our building is actually two buildings. The right-hand part is, is the administration building, and the left-hand part is the law school. And the two don't actually touch, but they, they, they kind of lock around the space. That was the, that was the brief. And we do a long, wiggly building. We do a long building that wiggles around, and when you enter the building, you'll enter via two smiling cheeks, one of which is the cafe, one of which is, is the um, common room. And then you, you move up into the building. And, and in this drawing, we're suggesting we don't want the building to stay all kind of squeaky clean. We want it to get overgrown with, with vegetation. Because behind it are the, are the woods of the Prata Gardens. This is a working drawing plan, just to give you some feel of the, the complexity of the whole building. The colored bit is actually the garden, which works its way over the library the law library, um, and the smaller building is the administration building. And if you, if you, some of you, how many of you are actually architecture students here? <coughs> Tough on those who are not, I'm afraid. I, I shall then switch into assuming you know how to read plans mode. Um, how many of you not have anything to do with architecture? Oh, well, this is, uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll try and explain. This is, this is a plan, and if you look at it, <laughs> some of the lines are straight and some of the lines are wobbly, and the wobbly ones enclose pieces of what we pompously call interstitial space, which are places where you can basically hang out. And usefully, there are also some tunnels that run under our building where you can also hang out without even coming inside the building. This is the view from the, the gardens, and you can see that there are lots of, of, of sort of encrustations where we, we carve out the basic form of the building. And the bottom drawing or photo drawing is really a, a sort of symbolic one that says there are three layers of filtration. There's the filter of the trees, the filter of the, of the blades of, of the sunbreakers, and then there is the filter of the, of the building itself. This is a diagram 
of the roof of the library where you can see you can sort of crawl up it via a series of, 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 of boardwalks and some pieces of plantation. We weren't allowed to do as much plantation as we would have wished on there. And inside the library, there are little, little rooms within the room. We like the library to be a place not only where people sit at, at computers or read law tomes, but also a place where you gather. It's the largest room in the building. And we want it to be a place where people do gather. And then if they want to be very noisy or have a, you know, a bit of an improvised seminar, then they go into one of these little cubicles, these little colored curved cubicles, which are deliberately jollies. We, we like the idea of jollies within the jolly. And, and then you can see, perhaps we're being a bit coy here, where we're indicating the position of the bookshelves. It's sort of slightly translucent. Of course, it's going to be much denser looking than in this drawing. But there are always roots out. There are always views out. There are views onto the garden above, to the gardens at the side, the thing. Is, a, is, is very much a three-dimensional space. And here's a, a rather jolly plan of it with the blue central, the turquoise color thing is a bridge that runs across the double height space of the library. The pieces of, of uh, purple and green are the bits of the garden before you go over the top part. And then the pink things are these little, little discussion rooms which occur on two floors. And the building is colored. Now, I think many architects are scared of doing color, but we're not scared of doing color. And the idea here was to run the colors from sort of earth color up to bright, shiny in the sky color. And then to run the linoleum that is in the corridors in the reverse order. So you have the dark color at the top where the building is light and the light color at the bottom where the building is dark. And in the middle, you have the middle. A building is covered in a series of, of sunbreaker screens, which also <clears throat> not only deal with, with that issue, but also deal with the softening of, of, the, the, of the stripes. You have the colored stripes living beneath the, the, the sort of more jagged filtration of, of the blades. And at the moment, it doesn't look like that at all. It just looks like a lot of concrete. So, of course, I've been knocking concrete. I don't object to concrete. I object to it being used in a boring way. Moving on to architecture schools, um, well, just a moment. I think that, that one of the things that, that one has to sort of prognosticate in the process of design is to what extent are law students like architecture students? Um, to what extent do they wish to be charmed and amused? To what extent are some parts of their studies boring? others intriguing. I, my own very scant experience of lawyers is that they're very interesting and chatty people. And that, again, uh, they would enjoy to have spaces, they will enjoy to have spaces that are not just designated for parts of the curriculum. Now we see across the road the, uh, the Bart is enjoying itself in the, in the grounds of the dome, uh, which happens every year. And again, it's not exactly quite the same as, as my photograph of the garden with the 18-year-olds, but there are overtones that suggest that people are just waiting to break out. <clears throat> of course, there are many rituals that I hadn't realized there were going to be as many 
architecture students as here today, I'd assume it would be a minority. So I'm telling you what you already know, which is that the process involves the display and discussion of your work, and that the, the theater of the display is very important. And that, of course, it can lead to installations, some of which don't have, certainly are not foursquare, and some of which involve, sorry, it's upside down, the blue one, I realize, but it involves things that are not necessarily tangible, not necessarily solid, not necessarily fixed, that, that the best architecture schools have a kind of looking across many, many different territories. This is stolen from the Architectural Association handbook, which suggests that an important part of the operation is the restaurant. Unfortunately, both in Waits House and in the building that we're doing in Australia, nobody seemed to ever dis be able to persuade anybody to run a restaurant from within the building. I think this is a great shame. Um, just to remind that, that architecture today is extremely, can be extremely eclectic, extremely inventive, extremely multicultural, and God knows where it might go. So the building has to be, in a sense, resilient. Even so, the majority of activities are like this. People sitting, looking at their relatively limited territory, one of them looking over the shoulder of the other. But maybe he likes the lady rather than what's on her screen. And so here we are, in of all places, Australia. The, the, again, this was a competition that we won. Um, it was fortuitous that I happened to be in Australia giving a, a very posh lecture, and, and there was a party afterwards at which some people said, we are about to hold a competition for an architecture school. And I horned my way into their competition by uh, emailing everybody and saying, we've got to get the stuff over by Thursday. We had to have our credentials in four days later, which we did, and we competed, and we won. And the building is also on site. We have two buildings on site. This one is they're just starting to pour the slab. Uh, it's going very fast. It is very much an internalized building because it's a hot place relatively. This is a, a, a fairly typical picture of, of part of Bond University. It's an, a 30-year-old university, very small, uh, started by a man called Alan Bond, who then went to jail. And the university nearly folded as a result of that. It was actually, as I've only discovered in the last few weeks, it was some sort of deal with a Japanese developer. Um, you have to understand that the town that it's in is called Gold Coast. It's a half a million person city, which has a lot of lagoons, rather like in, in, in Florida. And it was a real estate pitch that the Japanese developers of one of these large lagoons wanted to up, up the market for this lagoon, make it special. And they somehow did a deal with Mr. Bond, and the university was placed there to be this kind of jewel that would up, would elevate the value of the land around. And in fact, the lakes that are around it are called Varsity Lakes. And there are all sorts of things called like Varsity Avenue. So they're 
making a big pitch of it being the university, the varsity. Uh, it has actually worked, and now, after its early tremors with Mr. Bond going to jail, it's actually succeeding, and it's law school, and I think one of the other departments are the highest rated uh, of their kind in Australia, so it's actually not a bad university. It's, it's, a, it's a small university with very small classes, private, so this is its pitch, that you can, you can be very intensively taught that. And it's sort of very Australian, you know, it's bright, bright sun, lots of bushes, trees, lots of Toyotas, um, what more is there to say? And in the competition, we had to also make a, a suggestion of what we would do with the whole campus. And then we come into our building, which is a series of, of folded roofs that base themselves on something that we call the scoop. It's really rather like if you take one of those spoons into an ice cream tub, you scoop. It's a, a scoop action. And in a sense, the scoop for this building is the equivalent of our sort of odd interstitial spaces in the law school. Again, the theme is where can you make an, in, an educational institution have character? I suggest that the space that we were waiting in outside this hall is not a pleasant space. It's not a place where you wish to do anything except get into the room and then when you leave to get the hell out into the streets as fast as possible. And that, I think, is the tragedy of the thinking of many university buildings, which is you just think of the, of the set piece uh, extrapolated from curricular activities or getting the hell out. And, and if you think of UCL's canteens, you know, with their unbelievably low ceilings and dreary, thoughtless, unimaginative, tasteless decor, um, one can do better than that almost with your hand tied behind your back. Nonetheless, there have to be sort of fundamental principles of, of, of the architecture itself. Here we have basically the notions of the scoops which dictate the building and then the question of wrapping the scoops. This is the latest stage of, of the plan. This is literally whipped from under somebody's nose this morning. And you can see some sort of red markings. The red markings are things which are still under minor revision. But this is the building. You will notice, or those of you with very sharp eyes, will notice that it's got one scoop less than it had in the competition. We have to do what in architects' world is now called value engineering, which is called cutting the cost. And we had to <coughs> lose the workshops from the basement which were based upon the Bartlett, actually. The, the bit of the Bartlett does work terribly well. It's the, the idea of the open space that you can look down into people working, which tells the world that you're doing something. It's very important. And then, you know, that it eats into the building. We, we, we borrowed that, made a more elegant version of it, but that's got removed from the budget and is being replicated in a sort of tin hut around the edge of the site. Uh, it was that or losing the project, so we, we did that. Otherwise, the building is sub substantially the same. The entrance, if, if the entrance of the, of the Vienna building was a series of sort of smiling cheeks, the entrance here is a nose. And I find that I, I like doing nose 
teaching objects, some psychoanalysis will deal with that, I'm sure. And you can see running left to right down the center of the building is a kind of street around which these scoops lie. And this is just um, <coughs> a mezzanine level related to that. The cross-sections show that it's actually a very simple building with the, the, the roofs tilted and pulling breeze in. There's a lot of uh, attention has to be paid in, in southern Queensland to the business of building heating up. And there we have the building from the entrance end um, with the studios on the left and the scoops hidden as they support the roof. This is the north facade, which has, don't forget, the sun comes from the north in Australia, and therefore it has to deal with a lot of sun shading. And we rather enjoyed ourselves with the, the random sun shading around the, the, the various smaller rooms, which tend to be on the north side. This is a romantic evening view of the studios, um, as it might be in Bond. And you do get evenings like that sometimes. And this is a, a breakdown of the building as a whole. And you can see that the, the, the scoops actually replicate out into the form of the outer skin of the building. There's a, basically a street that runs down. A lot of time is spent tweaking the thing so that the sun can be manipulated, so that the sun doesn't actually, or hardly at all, um, occupies the interior of the space because it's extremely strong. In, in the Australian winter uh, and, and could do a lot of damage. So a lot of the building is tweaking. This is a view looking down the street. One of the scoops on the left with a stair curling its way around it. On the right are the smaller rooms, mostly used by people sitting at computers or, or researching. And then we have a series of bridges that cross that. In the course of doing the, the competition, I was urged by my colleagues to do more cartoons this time. And I did two or three, and then they said, do some more, and I did three or four more, and then they said, do some more. In the end, I did 26 of these bloody cartoons and, and, and put the project at risk. But the Australians are cheerful people, and, and they seem to enjoy the cartoons. And, uh, this is really the core of this lunchtime's thing, which is that, 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 that there is a link between one's many 45 or so years of experience in architecture schools. The anecdotes inform the building. You can design the building to sort of basic principles of organization, but then the anecdotes take over. I'm fascinated by the pretension that sometimes attends to crits. And, and here the, 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 the guy making the point is, is possibly some slightly snotty-nosed young tutor who says, I question your terms of reference, Barbara. <laughs> uh, and there is Barbara actually in Sayoc being questioned. Uh, there are other, other things, which is, of course, that a, that a good architecture school should be very open to particular kinds of public, visitors from other schools, visiting faculty, people who are... Who are and, and in the organization, you notice that the people in the top cartoon are slightly apart. They're, they're watching as spectators. That They shouldn't necessarily have to get involved. Sometimes in places where you feel if you put your 
head in the room, everybody will expect you to sort of do something. It's nice to be able to sort of sniff, to, to peek. To... And that also a school of architecture may, may be a place where things are going on. Here is the street again, and you can see that it's, it's, the scoops are... Each scoop is different. And that was something that we've had to fight for because, of course, the, 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 the contractors and the rationalizers want us to make all the scoops the same, and it's cheaper. I'm saying, no, the whole point of the scoops is that each one is different. That you, you know, if you want to have a little tete-a-tete, you go in that scoop. If you want to have a sort of unofficial seminar, you go in that scoop. If you just want to hang out, you go in that scoop. And, you know, if Wally's in that scoop, you're not going to go anywhere near it. You need a different sort of scoop. So the idea is each of the scoops has its own size, shape, and character. Important that the building is used all night. Important that it encourages... This sad character believes that if he works there late into the night, he might pull, pull the chick. Uh, looking at him, it's fairly unlikely, of course. <clears throat> and, and this is somebody <coughs> working for us who actually put his girlfriend, this is a real person who we know, um, enjoying, enjoying the, the space of the building. And, of course, as I point I made earlier, <coughs> which is that a lot of the, the real activity happens around an extremely small space. That, that, that in, the, in the days when I was an architecture student, for a long period when I was teaching, Somebody was doing something, and you saw it there. You didn't have to say anything. You just sort of walk along. <laughs> Rather like we do in the art, well, like I'm allowed to do in, in our studio. Oh, you don't necessarily have to say anything. Oh. <laughs> Which is harder with the computer. You get quite offensive <laughs> if, if you can. Um, this, is, this is actually a, a, almost a tracing of, of an event about a year ago over, over across the street when Will Olsop was at the Bartlett doing a, a painting. Uh, and uh, art imitating life or life imitating art. This is another possible sort of use of the place. You could have a little gaggle of people. Though chosen by the person doing the rending, I think the same guy as did the one with the girl, uh, they're not actually in the scoop. They're kind of hanging around. I think you should be able to hang around architectures. Uh, the other thing is, of course, the, the event. This is purporting to be Zaha Hadid, who I call for the purposes of it, the Queen of Sheba, entering Bond University and, and, and the, the, the faculty lined up outside. So they said, oh, I shook her hand, you know, I shook her hand. Spoke to me, which is all part of the ritual. Of, of, uh, and then, you know, the, the grand lecture. The, this is interesting, taken again from the Architectural Association syllabus, which is the significance of having an extremely famous person whose profile is almost known to every architect, uh, but I will tell you who it is uh, Rem Kulhas. His shadow is enough, and they will. And you know from, from such things that if Mr. Kuhas gives a lecture at the A or anywhere else, not only the people will be fighting to get in the room, but they will even be fighting to get to the screen that shows merely the disembodied uh, shadow of, of the person. That this business of, the, of fame and the, and, and the touching the hemlock of the fame of the famous person. It's very interesting that, uh, that still you have bothered to come and see me and some of you have kindly wished to be photographed with me. That's very nice.
but you're also watching, presumably, to see if I pick my nose or if I arrive here with a large dog or, or a strange lady or whatever it might be. Or, or, you know. um, I think I, it, what fascinates me is the theatre of those situations. Uh, and this was a bit of flattery for Bond. I was suggesting that even people from Princeton might be passing through for the old seminar here. There's a certain degree of inherited cynicism. 40, you have to bear in mind 45 years of cynicism going into the, the vignettes around this building, uh, particularly this one, which is the, it's very important to be able to escape both on the part of the faculty and, and the student. I remember both at the AA, where I taught for a very long time, and in Frankfurt and in the Bartlett, the three places <coughs> I'm most associated with. The important thing, as soon as you got the job, was to know how you could escape if you saw somebody extremely boring heading your way, the fuck did you get out? <laughs> but of course, it's a two-way process. Here is Jules, who is obviously a student not, not frequently seen on the premises, uh, almost about to make his escape, and another member of faculty saying, I don't want any, anything to do with this. <laughs> also making his own escape. Uh, boring... Boring intellectuals that you get in architecture schools are personified by the guy with the beard on the left, and a rather sad, sad uh, older student who's probably mortgaged his house in order to come back to school, thinking, what the hell is this guy on about? The other thing, then, in the bottom right-hand corner is, is the notion that however much we love the architecture of our building, that we wouldn't mind if it was painted and defaced and all sorts of nasty things happened to it, as long as they're creative. And that's the theme of that. This is another little piece of cynicism. It's very important to have somewhere which is inside and outside the building. We have a kind of deck that wraps itself around the building where you have these, we're suggesting slightly more casual situations, including an extremely boring student coming with something that he's found. Oh, I thought you might find this interesting. The two young faculty uh, don't find it particularly interesting. But the trick as a good teacher is to give the impression that you find it interesting. <laughs> because the word interesting is the most useful word in the English interpretation of teaching. I have a non-English architect wife who said when she was a student at the A, she couldn't ever get the idea of it, something being interesting. She said, why didn't you tell us it was good or it was bad? And I said, that is the point. If it is interesting, there is room for maneuver. <laughs> as soon as it's good or bad, you cut your options. We are developing, we are, we've found somewhere, actually in Shenzhen, we were just talking about Shenzhen this morning, somewhere in Shenzhen that will we'll manufacture the um, furniture, the desks for this building, and um, we're, well, we're pretty much finished experimenting. This is, this is a series of, of desk types that we have evolved. Uh, you can see their similarity to the the, um, the crab table, as it's called, or to the table that my wife and I have done in an exhibition in town. The, these tables with, with the particular characteristics of relaxed edges and holes. And, but at the same time, one has to have a very determined system of, of lockers. We're trying to organize that around. And, and this is a phrase that one has has heard many times across in, in the, the Bartlett at its most creative moments, which is something seemed a good idea at the time, and then you get these guys 
wondering what the hell they're going to do with it as it sort of flaps around in the breeze. And the idea of our building pit was that that would be a place where this sort of stuff could happen. Uh, a lot of the work then that we're involved in now has been, and this is, this is a period just finished, we've just managed to convince everybody that we can do a variety of the scoops, but uh, rationalize. A lot of the time is spent not coming up with the idea. In fact, we designed the building in about three weeks flat. We fundamentally did the, the key revisions in about another four weeks flat. The rest of the time has been tweaking, 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 making it possible for the money. We're trying to persuade a bit more money to come out of a non-existent pot. Um, a bit of one, a bit of the other. But, but basically, a lot of this kind of activity is involved, where there is then the rationalization of something which was, in a sense, a poetic idea. Dare one say that. Uh, a poetic idea which has to then be turned into an economic and rational procedure, which is why I think it links to 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 the picture of the of the of the tables, which is actually e which are easier, needless to say, than the scoops. But the scoops are, are critical. We're also having a, a final sort of throw on, on, on the question of the nose. The nose is also a slightly expensive element, but very important to the physiognomy of the building, rather like as Colin and I had when we had the needle sticking out over the top of grass. The nose is, is in a small way of equal importance to the statement of the building. Um, and this is just finally um, how we operate, as you can see, somewhat chaotically sometimes. Uh, and one of the ladies there is looking extremely worried but she's Romanian, and Romanians do find themselves quite worried sometimes. Uh, and um, this is the more typical situation. You can see a couple of Swedish guys also looking slightly worried, not quite as worried as the Romanian, um, because Swedes never get quite that worried. And, and, and um, there is a model of... We're constantly making revision models, particularly of the, of, of, of the folded parts of the building. You can see the general air of, of color and chaos uh, as we work. And finally, um, a couple of things that are nothing to do with educational buildings, just to show you what we do when we're not doing that. If it will, I think it's a very yeah. We did a uh, we did a competition unsuccessfully for a building uh, involved in the tsunami, and this is a, a rendition that shows the building under the pressure of the tsunami itself. And we recently did also. Uh, I have to say we didn't quite get to win it. We got near, but not near enough. Uh, at, open competition for a tower uh, in Taichung. And this is a, a rendition actually done by uh, the Jason Bruges studio with whom we worked on the project. This is the nighttime. It's actually a still from a film. I just thought that it would be reasonable to, to, to say that we're not just doing those two 
buildings. I mean, that we're obviously doing other things. At the moment, um, what we're working on as well is a sort of little internal sort of competition I've set amongst the younger people in the studio because uh, we want to do some housing investigation and we haven't done any since we've existed as prep. We had, we, we had an early building that's now finished in Madrid uh, of housing, but we haven't done a lot of housing. So sometimes one simply thinks, what are we not doing that hasn't cropped up in any competition that we've been successful in or unsuccessful in? What else should we be doing? So that in a sense, one brings something of the psychology of the school and the studio, and you, you probably notice that, that there are quite a lot of young people in, in, in the room, in fact, they're mostly young, uh, who are some of them interns, some of them recent graduates, uh, predominantly from the Bartlett and the A, it has to be said, but, but um, also from, from Taiwan and Sweden and Paris and a few other places. And um, it's important for them, I think, to, even if they're only with us for a relatively short time, to actually leave their mark and I suppose it's, it's an odd one because Gavin, who's the um, R, Gavin Robottom is the R of Crab. He also spent, I think, about 10 years teaching with Frosso. And we still have that sort of instinct as, as teachers. It's, it's not everything is done purely to deal with the um, value engineering <laughs> or the refinement of the concrete, although that's obviously key. And I've run to three minutes from my end. I don't know if it's time for questions or time to tell you how to reach the exit or, or now you can turn your phones on. Uh, anyway, that's it.